0: Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now, without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. What if we began our service a little differently? What if I asked you to come up individually and lay a a, a gift maybe at this table, and then I did this? What is in here? What am I doing? So I I haven't really played since 11th grade. It's been a long time, but uh, I I was thinking, there's actually the trumpet in this passage, and I, I couldn't pass up the, the opportunity to bring that out. And, and it talks about giving and blowing trumpets. So I thought, well, that'd be kind of interesting. My wife said, you got to play this Lutheran hymn from her childhood. So I, I did that. Um, you know, giving can be an awkward subject. And I really appreciate our church. We don't really emphasize that. And yet you give generously. Uh, this building is a testimony, there's no debt on it. We, we, we purchased this, this building. Um, and then people finance it, Gary and uh, a number of guys, they they kind of organized uh, the the people sw- sweating and painting and doing other things. People still do that, but so much work went in. They calculated all the hours, and it, we just got it for a, a nice price, and the, and the work, I mean, just look at it, it's beautiful. You guys are generous, and so we haven't had to talk about it Um then when we do bring up resources, like when we give to the benevolence, you'll see in the bulletin there's this thing about giving to the benevolence that goes to the poor. We give um, richly, like I think it's like thirty thousand a year to different people paying for utility bills and food and medical expenses. And um, you guys give, um, but before COVID we pass the plate and it's okay to pass the plate. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit, but uh, we haven't, and the uh, Lord's provided, and um, we might in the future. Uh, but I just love the faith that's expressed through giving in a way of uh, of worship, of trusting the Lord is the one who owns it all, and we're able to give back to him and see what he does, uh, and whether it's sending Jeff tonight, like he's going off uh, to a, a persecuted nation, or um, uh, we give a, a, a small gift to Justin and Kai Bainey as they go to Cuba. And uh, just your generosity is, uh, is a blessing, and um, it's a, an example for me. Because at the same time, there are ways we can can go towards giving, move towards giving, and it, it can be off. And Jesus hi- knows that and highlights that in the passage we're going to talk about. Uh, we can give with a way to make ourselves feel better and to maybe kind of undo or try to redo or try to fix ourselves and, and make ourselves feel better with God. And to be honest, giving does feel good. Um, so we're going to, look at what does Jesus actually say about this. So if you have your Bibles, let me encourage you to open to Matthew chapter six. She's doing the Sermon on the Mount. It's three chapters, five, six, seven. We just finished chapter five. And we're in chapter six, just kicking this off. And he's talking about righteousness, being right with God, being on good terms with God. The, the big picture of Matthew is, let's follow Jesus into his kingdom, following The promised king into his kingdom. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 1. And we've asked John Hoekstra to come and read for us, John. And a little tradition uh, we've been doing recently is standing, if you're able, in honor of God's word here. So would you stand with us? If you can. Matthew 6, 1 through 4. may be in secret, as your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Thanks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. You are excellent and worthy of all praise, including our offerings, and teach us now what it means to give. Uh, Teach us how to give back to you for your glory and not our own, and teach us how to follow you into your kingdom. Use this, this time, this message, for your honor and um, our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So again, we're continuing our series through Matthew. Uh, Jesus is on an undisclosed mountain side. He's talking to his well, like select guys, his disciples, about kingdom living. What does it mean to follow him? And, and this, this message fits with the overall message of the book of Matthew. Follow the promised king into his kingdom. Jesus is the king. His kingdom, what is that? It's supernatural. He wants us to join him on his journey. He begins the sermon how? do You remember? Beatitudes. You've heard of that? Nine qualities of kingdom followers and nine subsequent blessings. He then turns to speak directly to his followers. He talks about, you know, in general, here are these blessings. Here's the qualities of his followers. But you, you you followers of me are salt and light. You're light against the darkness. You're a, a, a preservative in a world of decay. Why? That your good works might bring glory to your Father in heaven kingdom living flows from what the king values. And what does the king value? King Jesus says he doesn't come to abolish the law, to throw out the Old Testament, to undo the Ten Commandments. Instead, he came to complete it, to fulfill the law. In, in a sense, he's on a mountain just as Moses was on a mountain. He's a Moses 2.0, the greatest prophet, priest, and king. He wants us to be right with God, to be on good terms with God. And he goes on to say that unless your rightness, your righteousness, surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoa, that's intense. And then he goes on to give six examples of what people might say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I'm a righteous person. You remember those? That's what we've been preaching on. They would justify themselves by saying, you've heard that it was said, he begins. And what do people say? Well, I never killed anybody. I'm not a murderer. That must be what righteousness means. He says, no, 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 no. But I say to you, if you're angry with your brother, if you call him a name, you've committed murder in your heart. Another one you might remember is "He's like, I haven't committed adultery. He's saying, no, 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 no. If you've lusted with, at, over someone, you've committed adultery in your heart. And, and the, the, the bar of what does it mean to be good with God, to be right before God, to be righteous seems more difficult and more difficult as we go on. He talks about divorce. He talks about love. He talks about, he talks about, oh, t- the truth, speaking the truth. He ends in verse 48. Do you remember what he says in verse 48? Look at verse 48 in chapter five. This is like super intense, super discouraging for me when I read it. You know, without context, you look, what is going on here? We must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That bar, that mountain seems like Mount Everest, an impossibility. How are we to, to survive? How are we to make it? How are we to enter heaven? How are we to follow the promised king into the kingdom? I think Jesus is communicating this, this powerful sermon in a way that draws us back to the beginning of his message. And how, how are the kingdom followers supposed to be? Do you remember those nine qualities, or some of them? Blessed are the poor in spirit. And man, when I look at being perfect, I think I'm poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are meek. What does meek mean? We don't use that word necessarily that much, uh, Humble is another word for that. And I feel humble looking at those six. Blessed are those who mourn. And when the Lord brings that conviction on me, and maybe that's happened to you, and it just hits you like a nail right in the chest, there are times when you weep. I've wept. I mourn over what I've done. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. I think he's driving us back to these qualities of the kingdom followers on the Sermon on the Mount. The call of the disciple is to be authentically following Jesus. The good news is Jesus said these blessings are for poor people, for the humble people, for those who mourn and who are hungry and thirsting to be better, to follow after Jesus, to be right with God. And God the Father, he, in these blessings, he pours out blessings on each of these people, this, 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 this follower who's experiencing this. While Jesus fulfills the law, we are to obey it. And, and, and in the midst of our, the disconnect between obedience and reality, we, guilt can seep into our psyche where we can't or haven't or didn't follow the Lord. And Jesus knows that, and he came to alleviate our guilt and shame with salvation and hope through his death and resurrection, which we celebrate in communion. In fact, in chapter 1, it says that he came to forgive our sins. He was and is our sole solution to our own unrighteousness. But there's a sense of false righteousness that he's combating, and he, he first, in chapter 5, he deals with these rules that people say, you know, I, I've jumped over this bar, I haven't murdered anybody, I jumped over this, bar. I haven't committed adultery, I don't lie, you know, I'm feeling good, pretty good about myself. And he, he tries to obliterate that, and now in chapter 6, he goes to th- spiritual disciplines. because It's not just about what we don't do, but also there's things we do that make us feel better about ourselves before God. And he's going to talk about three things in particular that people think of, even other religions, they think of, you know, if you're a good person, you're going to do what? Well, you're going to give to the needy. If you're a good person, you're going to pray to the deity. If you're a good person, maybe you fast. Again, some religions, these are pillars of their their religious philosophy. And and they're good things, and Jesus practices things and, and commends these things, but he's going to get at something here. So if you have your Bibles... Let's dig into chapter 6. Following Jesus involves action. Being righteous means avoiding sin, saying sorry, turning from evil, but it also is about doing good. It's about giving, praying, fasting. When we get to chapter 6 here, there are are three sections describing standard spiritual disciplines associated with godly living, and each Jesus compares to a, a group of people. Who's he comparing his followers to? Look at chapter 6. Do you see a name of a group of people? Pharisees? Pharisees? Yes. But doesn't use, my version doesn't say the word Pharisees. Hypocrites. Hypocrites. And, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to that, but you're right. It, his, his, in his mind, these religious experts, he actually already mentioned in chapter 5 the Pharisees, and um, in comparison to them, but in chapter 6, he uses the word hypocrites, and what's a hypocrite? They are, I heard someone say something, they're in the synagogues, yep, they're teachers, they're experts of the law, they're seeking recognition, they might say they're doing things for God, and they're doing good things, they're serving, giving, but they're doing something wrong, they're doing it for the wrong reason. They're pretenders, imposters of faithful followers. The hypocrites are uh, in chapter 23, uh, where you, you brought this up, uh, Lori, about the Pharisees. He uses this six times to rail against the Pharisees, these religious leaders of the day. His message is a warning because it's not just people out there who are the hypocrites. The danger is actually within here where we too can fall prey to these, this danger and fall into this trap. So if you're, I, I was trying to think of what's the big idea in these four verses. And this, if you're taking notes, I think it is to give to others with a proper heart. He wants us to give, and we're give to others with a proper heart. Let's walk through these verses, and I'm going to show you how I came to this conclusion. Look at verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness. And we'll stop there. What does he mean by righteousness, practicing righteousness? I think this is a spiritual discipline, a spiritual pathway, a, path, a, a practice. How, is it, how, how do I get the word giving or this concept of giving? Well, it's in verse 2 and it's in verse 3. Thus, when Jesus said practicing righteousness, he's pointing to in this first example, giving to those in financial need. This could be monetary. seems like it here, but it also could be something else. Remember chapter 5, he's talking about retaliation and giving. There's If someone begs from you and wants your tunic, give, or give them your cloak as well, he says. If someone wants you to go one mile, go with them two miles. There's a sense, let's say you're on a fixed income, or you don't have an income, which is a number of us in our church, you still have an opportunity to give and practice this righteousness through giving, and giving doesn't have to be just financially. So it relates to all of us. Let's look at verse 1 again. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Now, he's not saying it's wrong to practice before other people, but it says beware of it. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day about this passage. What was it like to give in Jesus' day? Much of the Old Testament, if you remember, talks about sacrifices, or the practices of sacrifices. They go to the altar, they sacrifice an animal um, for a thank offering or a sin offering. It's very public. It's a very public practice. So was was Jesus poking at that? Does he want us to never give in public? And I think some people, they're like, well, we got to give anonymously. I I don't want any recognition. Um, I I worked at UPS once, and I don't know if this guy was a believer or not. Uh, We never had any conversations about that. But any recognition would make him furious. And, And there's some people who hold this perspective that you can't give publicly. Is it wrong to, you know, uh, you go to the library, public library down here, there's bricks with people's names on it and com- and companies' names on it. Is that wrong? Is it wrong uh, for us to take an offering? No, I, I don't think that's what Jesus is getting at. Jesus gave his life publicly. Even consider this example. Jesus gave his life publicly on a cross for us needy people. So what is his concern? What is he getting at? The, the problem is the heart, is the motivation. The hypocrites were not giving out of a proper motivation. It, it looks like it's, this is for God. This is a, a gift back. You know, but what is it about? It's about themselves. Look at verse 1. Beware practicing your righteousness before people. Why? In order to be seen by them. They wanted to get noticed. They wanted some recognition. But that was not all. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 makes it even uh, look worse. What are they looking for in verse 2? Anyone? Praise. Praise. Look at verse 2 Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. They wanted worship. That fueled their generosity. To put it crassly, they wanted people to worship them. Now, did they blow trumpets back in the day? You know, is that a practice? So one commentator, I thought uh, it's, it's a fun one. To, it, I've enjoyed reading this commentator. And he said this, quote this, there's no evidence of literal blowing of trumpets with almsgiving. And the phrase may be used purely metaphorically here, though it would not be untypical of Jesus to conjure up the image of such a crass piece of self-advertisement, it is in any case likely that significant donations were publicly announced in the synagogues. Um, Skip that one, that that quote there. Um, We'll bring that one up in a second. So you remember, Jesus is not afraid of using metaphors or word pictures. What he says here grabs their attention. It makes you listen, and it may, you know, it may actually be what they did, but they're going to remember this. It drives home a point. He, remember, he talks about cutting off your, your, your hand or gouging out your eye before this. So this is a really strong image. In fact, after this, um, I think I, I, for some reason I, I didn't put this in my notes, but he talks about, uh, you know, try to give so that your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. That's how we're supposed to give. It's impossible but it's memorable, and it gets at a point. Um, So back into the cultural context, this scholar's source stated that there were some measures to give in secret in Jesus' day. Um, Here's a citation. Now you can put put this this one up there, Ian. Um, So there's two rooms in the temple where donations were made, one which is known for Harry Potter fans, and I'm one of them. I know there's, I I saw in the paper someone dressed up as a uh, some of them uh, at the trick-or-treat thing, as the chamber of secrets where worshipers used to put their gifts in secret and the poor of good family received support in, for them in secret. The ideal of secrecy was with us well-established, even though not always observed in practice. Thank you, Ian. Um, we may have many examples in the Bible of giving publicly, like I talked about, is the offerings in the Old Testament. Um, in Jesus's day, we have an example in Mark chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, you can go to Mark chapter 12. Here's another example. They're just going on and they're, they're near the temple. There's, there's a, a giving happening. And he's using this as an example uh, for teaching his disciples. Starting at verse 41. And he, Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two, small, uh, two copper, small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contribute out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This giving was an open. So, another example, if you're like, okay, really? Is this, is this I really feel like I have to give it anonymously. Well, there's another example in Acts chapter 4. Shortly after Jesus' death and resurrection, his disciples, they've taken his teaching, they've applied it to their lives, they're sharing the good news to other people, and giving's happening. Giving to the poor is happening. Um, in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, you don't have to go there. Um, I do have notes, Jeff, Mike, and I, we put our notes in the gems uh, and certain uh, applications from time to time, so you can grab those. But Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things they belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Just one more example that they didn't interpret Jesus' prohibition to giving publicly as a universal application all the time. Why? Because they see he's getting at something. He's getting at the heart. There's a tendency for our hearts to want to justify ourselves, to make ourselves feel better, to make ourselves right with God. And it's not the right way. It's not with the proper heart. It's with the heart. It wants a little bit of that praise ourselves. We want to be thanked. We want to be honored. We want some recognition. We want some credit. Jesus says in chapter four to the devil who tempts him to give, to get credit. He said, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. He he wants his followers. If we want to follow Jesus into his kingdom to follow with a proper heart, with a proper heart to God. So, a question for us is whose praise are we seeking? What, what's going on with our hearts when we give? I, I thought of, you know, it's helpful sometimes to take the text and look at it different ways and, and to think diagnostically how is my giving? What does my giving look like? And so, here's three questions. I'll go through each, talk a little bit about them. Um, first to consider. First, when you give, do you do you look for some kind of something back, like some acknowledgement? Think about that. Are, are you? Do you ever try to draw attention to what you just did? Do you want people to think well of you? Do you want a pat on the back? Do you ever sort of drop hints? And you it doesn't have to you don't have to think necessarily just in the church setting. sometimes we can get our, our frame of reference is just kind of right here, but you know maybe it's in a, a marriage marital relationship and you kind of drop a hint what you did that little that that chore you did that extra chore you did because you want some acknowledgement you know um, maybe it's in a work situation you know where you're you're trying to drop hints so that you can get some kind of credit and to be frank i I can, I can relate to that if you're, if you're like, yeah, that's me. Um, Jesus warns us and calls us to look to God for credit, who sees what's in secret and not man. Second question, ask yourself, are you okay with not getting any credit? Just imagine you do that good thing, that good thing in your mind, and no one ever says peep about it. They don't say a word, nothing. No credit, no acknowledgement. Are you okay with that? You go to your grave and you're never recognized. It's not written up in the paper. It's not on the gravestone. No one says it at your funeral. Are you okay with that? Jesus says, okay, imagine that. I want you to to live giving to God and not for that kind of eulogy. Uh, finally, here's another one. If you're like, maybe you're that introvert who's like, I really don't want to. I don't want any acknowledgement. I actually don't want to be up front. I don't want anyone to say my name. I kind of want to just be that mouse or that person on the wall, that, or the you know, the fly on the wall that no one notices. Are you okay with other people getting credit? You know, this 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 happens in my heart every once in a while. Um, actually, too frequently where someone's getting credit and acknowledgement, and I get jealous. Does that happen to you? Or envious? You're like, you know, I did that too, you know? Or, you know, I I, you, know you, could, you could give me some praise too, or they don't really deserve that, you know? Like, so something can happen in our hearts. What's going on there? I think this can be another indication that we're not okay with just doing it to pray for the praise of the Lord. We want to give with a proper heart. And admittedly, we're, we're a mix, right? We're a mix of good and bad, um, pure and in, impure. And the good news is that is why Jesus came. He came to save us from our sin and to help us. The only way we can really be righteous when the bar is up here is that he is righteous and fulfill the law. And so that we can have his righteousness Through faith in him and his gracious work on the cross, he came to die and forgive us of our sin. On a different but related note, we don't only receive forgiveness and grace, but there is actually a blessing inside these verses that's a little hard to talk about. Do you notice the word that's mentioned like three or four times? It's actually mentioned when he talks about praying. It's actually mentioned when he talks about uh, fasting. It's the word reward. And that is, that's a little strange to talk about. What is he talking about? Look, look at verse one. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father who's in heaven. Verse two says they, they receive their reward because they're getting praise. That's their reward. Reading this verse seems to indicate it's okay. It's actually a good thing to seek reward from the Father. He brings this up again. He highlights later in the sermon, and in weeks to come, we will see uh, storing up treasures in heaven, which is another awkward topic. What is that? It, the Bible talks about it, it's a real thing. What is the reward? We've already seen the difference between the hypocrite who's seeking praise and that's his reward. Well, here the follower of Jesus is seeking the father's reward. What is it? I think we can see a little hint of what that might be. If we go back to the beginning of the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, what are the blessings? If rewards and blessings are a similar kind of word and treasure is a similar kind of word, what are the blessings that are received from the kingdom followers? Well, the meek, what do they get? They inherit the earth. Imagine that. You get Lake Michigan. You get the Rockies. You know, you, you get, the, you, get uh, you know, like the, the deep sea. You inherit the earth. What a blessing that is. What a reward. What a windfall! What about the blessed are the meek? They inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the merciful. What, about, what do they get? The mercy—that's a great gift. Who wants mercy? I want mercy. What about um, the poor in spirit? What's that? For those who are reading along, heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Imagine you get the, you get an inheriting the earth and then inheriting heaven. It's tremendous. Friends, the rewards of following Jesus in the kingdom are extraordinary and beyond our comprehension. I, th- I think the difference between the hypocrite's reward and the follower's reward is infinite. The difference between the hypocrite's attitude and the follower's is significant. There, if a man, there, there's, this, there's this leaning towards a man-centered, centered, short-sighted goal, and God is, Jesus is changing their perspective towards a rewards and treasure later. Look at chapter 6, verse 20. This, that We're going to get into this in the coming weeks. Actually, I, I was talking to Jeff. I was listening to Jeff. We, we actually, we, we worked through our schedule. We're going to take a break and do an Advent series and then a prayer series. So it's going to be a while, but we're going to get to this. Lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The Apostle Paul described this reward in his crowns as a prize, in his letter to Colossians, he said he called it an inheritance. Whatever you do, he says, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you receive the inheritance as your reward. The Apostle John wrote about heaven and an internal existence, about where there's no sin, sickness, um, no tears, where God is with us. The streets are paved with gold and we're singing and dancing forever. The Apostle Peter talked about this inheritance. Let's, let's say this one together. So let's read this out loud, these three verses. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I don't think we can imagine the amazing reality that's in store for those who put their faith in Jesus. It's it's incredible. And it's far better than seeking someone to give me a pat on the back. Having the long-term mindset actually takes discipline. It's, It's not easy or natural we got to fight our flesh, and that's why I think he says this this to his disciples, because this is a real temptation. There's a a missionary named Jim Elliott who passed away in the 50s for his faith. He said, he, he wrote this in his journal, he is no fool, so you're not a fool, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. John Piper wrote, God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in in him. So the kind of neat message that we get to share as pastors is pursue your satisfaction, pursue your joy, pursue satisfaction and joy in God. And you will find your greatest peace and contentment and, and purpose and joy in God and not people's praise or a pat on the back. Serve and give, not to fill your resume, complete your transcript, or climb the corporate ladder, but for, for, for God's praise, for God's worship. And the reality is, you know, we're, again, we're a mix. We're going to come up short, and that's why we come to the communion table. That's why we remind ourselves of the good news, the gospel. That's why we trust in his righteousness and not our own. So why do we give? Ask yourself, am I looking for a pat on the back? If they, if, if, if they never said anything, will I be okay? Am I okay with other people getting recognized? acknowledged And then if you say, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not giving out of a great, great heart. God, forgive me. Please forgive me for my sin. And the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness, even giving out of a crummy heart. Over the years, I've been given a number of gifts uh, you know, f- from people secretly, and I know I, I, I haven't really found out a, a lot of them, but uh, I appreciate it. And I know from giving myself, it is, as Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than receive. And I, I went to uh, India this summer, and one of the gifts I got, my kids, my wife had my kids all write cards, little letters. You know, what do they have? They have no money. They write cards. So th- this, is, this is a picture that one of my kids sent me. So I'm in India to open up this thing, this little heart to India. And, you know, as a father, you know, looking at these gifts, you know, I I could get a broken watch. It's a thought that counts. And so the Lord takes our little offerings, and he loves it. He's our Father who loves us. I was in uh, college, and we had this gal share with us, uh, Jill Briscoe. You may have heard her. She had a a great British accent. And she tells a story of Jesus wanting to feed 5,000 people. And he asked his disciples, hey, you know, they're like, hey, these people are uh, hungry. Send them away. And they are like, uh, we're going to feed them. They're like, we have nothing. And they're like, what, what do we have? It's like, oh, there's a kid here with a couple loaves and fish. And he, he's like, That's, uh, that'll do. He takes it, he blesses it, and he feeds everybody. And she had this great phrase. It sticks with me today. She's like, I've got a hunch. Jesus wants your lunch. <laughs> he owns it all. And so we have the wonderful privilege to participate in what he's doing already. Whether it's here in New Buffalo or out in La, La Porte or Michigan City or, or in the Harbor Country or in Timbuktu, he's asked us and invites us to follow him into his kingdom and to give back what he already has. He'll provide for us. Will you trust him? Let's pray and, and ask our God, how might we give with a proper heart? Heavenly Father, thanks for giving to us by sending your son, Jesus, to die in our place. You treated us way better than we deserve. Way better. You've given us so much. We're all clothed. We got we got food in abundance in America. Lord, help us know what does it mean to give? Whether it's a card, whether it's a token, a an expression of thanks and gratitude, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you would impress upon our hearts and minds just a way that we can follow you in giving this week. Thank you that you died for our imperfections, including how we give. And I pray that as we turn now to communion and worship, that you would receive this, this full-bodied expression of faith and worship as our offering now, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.